Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Christina, a very good friend of mine and a second time podcast guest. Yes, second time, second time podcast guest. Uh, Christina Kimbrough is a mental health advocate, speaker, and blogger sharing her journey to recovery from a dual diagnosis of bipolar, like me, and substance abuse disorder. Christina openly shares her story in an effort to end the stigma around mental health and alcoholism and also hopes to help others struggling with the same issues feel less alone. Christina, thank you for agreeing to come on and share your story. I'm so happy to be here. So Christina and I have known each other for years, literally years. Um, And we used to hang out all the time when I lived in Virginia. Um, And last time I talked to to you, Christina, you were at one of uh, the wine bars in Norfolk and you called me (laughs) <laughs> and it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yep, it was <laughs> on a weekday. That was on my a weekday. Favorite. If I wasn't working, it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you were like, "Do you feel like this? Do you feel like this?" And I'm like, "Well, sometimes, but I'm I'm I don't know what's going on here." <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. I, was, I was like so worried for you because, like, you know, it was like you said weekday one o'clock in the afternoon yeah you were really drunk and it was the last time I talked to you and then like you kind of disappeared from the planet for a couple weeks and then all of a sudden you pop up and you're like I'm in Cleveland I'm getting sober and I was like oh that like went off the rails and I didn't even know as your friend how bad it was yeah for sure because you were this might sound rude but you were super talented at hiding it oh yeah absolutely that's part of my story so that's not rude yeah yeah so like you know I even as your friend who would drink with you I had no idea the extent or level that it was until you started sharing like really openly and and that's what I want you to share today so what what made you realize this is a problem. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Well, that is a funny memory. So I, I will share that. I love, I'm an extrovert and I go to the bar by myself and drink. And if I couldn't meet people, I would just call everyone in my phone. Literally. Like people say they drunk text, which looking back, they'd probably be better to drunk text <laughs> because then you could be like, Oh, like I'm driving. Right. Like, I, but right. I would drunk call all my friends anyway. And on a side note, this is funny. On a particularly bad night, I called my ex-boyfriend's dad. That was oh my <laughs> I know. And he's like, hello. <laughs> I haven't talked to you in 10 years. Anyway. So um yeah, I yeah, so I did get sober like probably a month or two after I talked to you. Yeah. And I just a lot of people I've heard, so I'm an AA, have like start at 13, 14, and it's just like right away they're hit the road running with their alcoholism. I wasn't like that. Mine's more mm-hmm. progressive. And in the last year of my drinking, I, so the night, I'll share the night that it kind of just all broke and I was like, I need help. Right. So I, um, 
think I'd gone to like a wine bar per usual by myself. And then I came home and drank with my husband and like a normal person, he fell asleep at like nine, 10 o'clock. Well, I took my wine glass to my neighbors who we would drink with casually. You know, I knocked on their door already drunk. You know, they're like, Oh, come in. We'll watch a movie. So like, they go to bed. It's probably like 1 a.m. I take my wine glass, my fuzzy slippers and my robe and just walk my neighborhood and just knock on people's doors at like three or four in the morning. And they're like, hey, are you up? Like, yeah. And I mean, people, I'm surprised someone didn't call the cops. Like, right? you know, and um, there's some white privilege there. Would sneak that in, but you know, right. like, <laughs> I'm a white girl. Like, I mean, it's not like I was tearing the streets up, but I'm like at your door at four a.m. Anyway, so I found someone that was up at four a.m. and it said no trespassing on this like fence. And I was like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm just gonna hop over and say hi. So I climbed the fence and like it's this person's back porch. I go to the back porch and I say hi. And his, this neighbor, you know, I don't say his name, but he was drunk. I mean, who else is up at 4 a.m., right? Like, and it was like a weeknight. (laughs) And, you know, and so we stayed up till 7 a.m. And I had just gotten a job and I got, I had to be at work the next day, like 8 a.m. And I showed up to work drunk, you know, to a meeting. And it was, you know, so anyway, Um, and then I came home and I went on my first bender. I stayed drunk like for two days straight. And then my, I I know I went back to that neighbor's house, um, the next night and his wife was there and she was doing meth. You know, I almost took drugs. I know I've never been into drugs, you know, neither. Yeah. I mean, alcoholism versus drugs, like no judgment, right? Like none. Right. I've tried to do drugs. Have you? Um, I, yeah, one time, well, not lots of drugs. I've smoked weed and I did Coke one time, but I've come to realize the reason Coke didn't agree with me is because I'm bipolar like you. Mm -hmm. And instead of like just normal people who get like a high off Coke, I flipped out and was like just on this level that I didn't know existed in life. And it didn't feel good. It was scary because I couldn't control myself and I was so hyperactive and I was working. I was a bartender and like, I'm like pouring all these shots and like doing all these things. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's because like, it made me go into like a mania. Like, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I had a similar experience. I did weed like one time at my friend's wedding, but it made me paranoid. Like I ran up to her can you tell them why? Can you tell them why? And they're like, well, now we can, you know? <laughs> so it just, anyway. So yeah, I, uh, and I almost took meth and I didn't, but I popped Natural and loved it, you know, cause it made me feel like awake and like alert and all the things. And, um, I just went home and my husband was like, we, we can't live like this. Like this is, you know, he's like, I'm leaving or something. Like if you don't get help, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. threaten me, but he's like, rightfully so. He's like, I can't live like this. So, you know, he had suggested, he's like, go home to Cleveland to get help, you know? Um, Cause my grandma's one of the weirdos who's never had a drink in her life, you know, yeah. maybe a glass of wine. And so, you know, she's like, just, he's like, just move home. Like, 
don't work, you're not working, just, you know. And so I did. I packed everything up and in January of 2020, drove to Cleveland and then stayed there until about September. And then I kept drinking, actually, uh, because I always think, like, I thought a geographical change would change, but, like, your problems just go with you. Yeah. And so I kept drinking in Cleveland. It was crazy. I got to the point where I was drinking and driving and, you know, well, I was always doing that, but my family took my keys and my debit card. Um, and this is funny. I, I like sharing my stories cause they're funny. Like you kind of have to laugh at some of them, Right. but I was going to AA weekly, almost daily. And my grandma would drive me and I was still drinking and she would give me like a couple dollars. I'd be like, oh, I need money for the AA baskets, like donation. And I would hoard those dollars and then go to the bar. And, you know, the last time I drank, I went to like BJ's. It was like a restaurant, like an Applebee's. And I just took my $5 at a happy hour, bought like a Budweiser, flirted with the guy down the bar, got more drinks. My grandma found me because they were tracking me on my phone. Like that's how bad it was because I was lying. Yeah. And... Uh, she just came and got me and was super nice. Just tapped me on the shoulder and was like, let's go home, you know? And I was like, and the guy sitting next to me was like, oh, does she want a drink? And I was like, she does not. <laughs> I'm like, nope. <laughs> you know, and uh, I just went home, you know, and I was like, I'm done. I'm sick of this. And so I enlist, I enrolled in a outpatient program for alcoholism mm. and addiction the next day. And that was it. And then that was February 3rd, 2020. And so I've been sober since. Which is amazing considering we're in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) The whole world is coming to an end. No joke. And the crazy thing is like, this is why my story, I share it so openly too. You know, we can get into that. But like, I got done with treatment like February or March 3rd. So like COVID hit that week. And so they were like still deciding. We didn't know how bad it was. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Yeah. And so they were like, we had done the socially distanced thing in February because they were like following it. And then they shut it down. I got discharged and they shut it down. So my heart goes out to people seeking treatment now, you know, cause I needed it. Like I didn't get, I don't think I could have gotten sober unless I went to that program. Right. You had to like pee in a cup, which was like so I don't think it was humiliating, but it was humbling, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like, oh my God, my addiction is so bad. They don't believe me, you know? Yeah. And so if you tested negative, like twice, you were out of the program. And I knew I was like, I need help. Like I need help. I need to be here. So those first, that first month having to like test kept me sober. Cause I still wanted to drink. I was an active addiction, you right. know? And so anyway, but yeah. My grandfather is an alcoholic and yeah. And he's been sober for longer than I've been alive. Um, and his was, he was so the stories and he has so much shame about the stories because he thought he was violent. He, Mm. you know, he was just not himself. He's like a really wonderful human being, Uh you know, super sweet. And his kids have to live with the, the memories of how he was. And he said to me one time, uh, when I was dating somebody who was a drug addict and alcoholic, and he said to me, I'll always be an alcoholic. Right. Like there are days that I just want to open a beer and I've been sober. I think he's been sober for like 50 years. Mm -hmm. He's like, there are days that I just want to open a beer and crack it open. 
And he was like, and then I have to fight that. And he's like, and then I'll go a long time without eat, like people can drink around me and everything. And he's like, and I'm fine. Right. He was like, but then there are days. And he was like, I'll always be an alcoholic. And I was just like, yeah, like, it doesn't go away. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a disease, you know, and they say like, everyone does a different program, which means like they get sober differently, which, you yeah. know, I'm totally cool with. And, but I'm an AA and that works for me. You did AA. But, and yeah. my grandmother did it on. Yeah, I yeah. still do. And um and they call it like a daily reprieve. So we literally, I mean, everyone uses it one day at a time because it's right. such a great thing and you can apply it to everything. But I say and I agree, like it's a daily reprieve. All I have is today. So mm -hmm. yeah. Well, especially right now, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you know, I see these people on Facebook that are like only one percent die, and I'm like that's a lot of fucking people. <laughs> like, Jesus. All I can think it was like, you know, I don't want to be that 1%. I don't want to be my, my family to be that 1% or my friends. So like right now, you know, with like, we're going on 300,000 people in the United States have died. Like all I can think about is I know lots of friends who have lost family members and friends. Yeah, for sure. So like we could literally have one day and it, not even for COVID, like, to get in a car accident tomorrow or like, you know, something else could happen. So we literally have today. Yes, absolutely. So well, it's a wonderful thought. I love that. Um, what would you say has been the hardest part about getting sober? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, w I think it varies. Like in the beginning was just the mental obsession. So like you like that's what makes me an alcoholic is I have one and then a craving sets in and then a mental obsession. Like some people can drink, you know, and then be done the next day. Like, you know, right. so that like, cause when you're in active addiction, you just constantly obsess. So like the first month was obsessing. And then I think now I'm at like 10 months and I, it's transitioned. I think now it's just like maintaining it. Mm. I don't have the cravings anymore. I don't have the obsession, but it is a lot of work. It is yeah. stay sober. I call a sponsor every day. I go to like two to three meetings a week, virtually well, crazy. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, and like, I have to work on my mental health, like my mental health. And so, so like I drank for many reasons, but like, because of bipolar, partly, right. you know what I mean? Be trauma, a lot of the things, but like, if my mental health isn't stable, then I drink. Right. So mm -hmm. it's just probably the, the work that it takes, you know, just to, to keep my mental health or I always just say baseline. Like I yeah. just, and you know, all of this, it takes so much fucking work just to be at baseline like get out of bed in the morning. Right. And like, be like a normal person. So I would say that just the work. And it's the interesting part is like, I do love when I'm doing all the right things. I do love how I feel. And there, I would say too, it's not just for people that have mental illness. Like they're basic things that everyone could benefit from, but yes, just the constant work that it takes. So. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine just knowing, you know, mental health stability, you know, you have to get enough sleep. You yeah. have to eat right you have, yep. to, you have to take your meds you have to, like all the things you have to do just just to try to be at baseline it's so much work like and all I can think is like when I when I go into hypomania and I'm like I just want to like stay up all night and have a good time and I'm like no that's yeah. really bad you need yeah, to go to bed that. <laughs> no. <Don't do> that. <laughs> 
Um, so I, you have posted about this a couple times about people not being respectful of people not drinking and not just people not drinking because they're alcoholics, but not drinking right. because they don't want to. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, it's interesting. I think, I'm, I think when people find out you don't drink, they're very curious. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are, and you know, they're not mean, but I think they don't know how to interact with people that don't drink, especially if you're newly sober. And I would say for me, like my experience has been, cause I share openly just like you do, like that's right. my platform that I'm a recovering alcoholic. Like people just either shut down or like, don't know what to say, or they kind of just like, you feel judged. You can kind of feel it. Right. So I think we're just navigating. Like I, I'm just not rare, but I find there are very few people like me who just openly share. I mean, I don't sit there and give you my life story, but if you ask me why I don't drink, I'm not going to be like, oh, I just don't like it. I'm like, no, I can't have one. Like, and that's another thing I, um, had a friend do a close friend who knows that I'm sober. It was like six months in and we were on the phone and this person was like, well, it's been six months. Like, do you, do you think you can have one now? And I was like, what? You know? And so it's just shit like that where it's like, and I try to balance like being nice and grace gracious because it's like, I think I know people don't understand the disease of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just like mental illness. Like you, you've gotten comments too. Like we both have, you know, if you don't understand something, you're going to say ignorant things. And so that's also why I'm passionate about sharing my story to help people understand. Yeah. And I witnessed somebody in active addiction actually too. Um, My dad will say he's not an addict. He quit drinking for like 20 years Mm. and then he was like I I'm fine it was the drugs it was the drugs that did it and you know what maybe I don't know I'm not in his house I don't know his personal drinking habits but to me it's like if you had that big of a problem right like that you quit drinking for 20 years couldn't it get really bad again yeah absolutely Um, and then my ex like he would get when we were together for a couple years he would get sober for a little bit and then he would just have that, that one, right? He thought he could have that one. Like, as long as he wasn't in the bar, he wouldn't get out of control. Like, if he just drank at, ho- at home, he wouldn't get out of control. And he had trouble, he had problems with both drugs and alcohol. Um, but no, because as soon as he had that one, or as soon as he, like, smoked that joint, like, I, I do not believe marijuana is a gateway drug. But I truly I, believe. We'll jump in. I don't either. But yeah, yeah I don't. I either. truly believe. And I'm stone cold sober. <laughs> right. Like, I truly right. believe it. It paired with other things. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And so for him, you know, just that one, and then you'd see him spiral out of control, and then he's showing up to work drunk, and then he's showing up that he's driving his truck drunk, and he's doing all these things. Um, and thankfully, he's you know he's been with his wife nine years, and he started getting sober when he met her, and she was able to be, be that person for him and hold that space. And I couldn't do that because I had my own, I had mental health issues, I had all these you know things, and I had been through this trauma of his abuse mm-hmm. that I couldn't hold that space for him. Mm-hmm. Like I, it just wasn't possible. But she could, and he's sober now, and that's great. But you see that where like the person thinks. Oh, see, I can get sober so I can have just that one and I'll be okay. 100%. And it's funny. I was going to point out the, like a red flag right away that he said, you mentioned is like, well, if I'm at home, 
I can have one, right? That's classic addict behavior because I did that. I was like, well, I won't go to the bars. I actually said the same thing. I was like, okay, like I'll drink at home, you know? Well, I would drink at home and then just drive to get White Claw convenience store, you know? So it's <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. It's insanity, right? Like we just, and so like normal people don't talk like that. They're not like, that's just a sign. Normal people aren't like, well, this is, you don't have to justify the way you drink if you don't have a problem. Right. Like, I, I feel like people, I, my dad was the same way. He's like, well, I don't go to the bars anymore. I don't do this and I don't yeah. do that. And he, you know, the sad thing is he had this bottle of Jack Daniels. He put the date on it and everything. It was his reminder that he had been sober for so long. Wow. And then all it took was like one day, like one day and he just poured it out and drank it. Mm. Like, <laughs> it was just like, holy shit. Um, so it was, you know, it was crazy. And, and, and considering it was 20 years, I'm like, that's so much work. And so then you just let it all go. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, from what I heard, they, somebody he knows listens to this podcast or it might be him. Hi dad. Um, so I don't know. I'm not going to judge where he is in his path right now. Cause I don't have a relationship with him, sure. but all I'm saying is that it's a lot of work to stay sober for 20 years. And then just suddenly be like, fuck it. I'm not yep. doing it anymore. It happens. Uh, yeah. That's, it's just, it's just amazing to me. Um, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about the things that you would do when you were yeah. drinking that maybe yeah. were things that people are like, wouldn't realize that these are signs that there's a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I, well, it's funny. I, my big one was like bars and I told you that it's like, I would go to networking meetings and just like nurse two glasses of wine. So it looked socially appropriate. Right. Mm -hmm. And then everyone would leave and I would stay at the bar till like 2 a.m. One night I even stayed out till 7 a.m. I found a bar that stays open till 7 a.m. in Norfolk, which if you can do that, you are a true alcoholic because they're not supposed to legally be open. But I found right. one. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, on the surface, like you said, I hit it well. You know, I would – or if I met up with the girlfriend at the bar, you know, we would have two or three drinks and then my friend would leave and I would stay. You know, and I would tell the friend, I'd be like, oh my God, yeah, I'm just going to have one more. Like it's, you know, I'm fine, you, you know, and, and the friend would leave like a normal person and not worry about it. You know, one more is, you know, I, and so it was just little things like that, you know, where I could hide it. And then it just got worse where I was driving drunk. I think that's the worst thing I've ever done. Luckily, I'm so blessed that I've never gotten a DUI. I just haven't, luckily. No car accidents. I've gotten in more car accidents sober than not. So I don't know what that says. <laughs> but, um, you know, so yeah, it was just driving drunk. It was just crazy things. Like I would, you know, you just, when you get sober, you look back and you're like, oh my God, normal drinkers don't do that. You know what I mean? Like right. I would, I would, I got a bottle of wine and I would bring it home and I would dump half of it out. So I'd only have two glasses. Well, once I had those two glasses, I just, I mentioned this, but I would just drive to 7-Eleven and get more, you know? So it was just, or I found myself staying out past when everyone was. I used to, I've drank in my car before. I, it was parked, but I didn't want my husband to know. And so I cracked a beer, drank it in the car and would go in home or go, I would drink before a meeting. I mean, and that's when it progressed when I was like, oh my God, I'm in my car. 
I'm drinking a beer like a can of pop or, you know, like water. And so those were signs for me for sure. So definitely the, I, you know, listening to your story is the, the need to hide it from. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Cause you know, um, like I've mentioned, we've drank before and we've drank quite a bit together before. For sure. But I had no idea the extent of it. People didn't. Right. You know, and, and you know, now that you're talking about it, I remember us going out to dinner and stuff and you being like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'm going to leave in just a minute. I just got to finish this glass of wine. I didn't know that you were staying right there and and drinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it, and that's just the thing. And I, I think I posted about that exactly as well. It's like, I would dress super well and I always have and presented well and looked happy. And like, even when I was hung over, I had makeup on and my hair was done and, you know, and so it just was super easy to hide it. Like people just didn't know. I had a lot of people tell me that, you know, they're like, really? You know, I came out once I shared and it was, people were just shocked. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's an interesting disease. Cause you, you know, I think a lot of people think of like the stumbling homeless guy with the paper bag where I would say, I don't know the statistics, but it's more so like your everyday, like your mom, like Jesus, suburban moms can put it down. Let me oh, tell yeah, you. they can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like my uh, sponsor, I love her and she's been sober like five years and has four kids and like, you know, we just laugh. She was like, we would drink. She's like, I would drink and like, you know, just pass out like anywhere in my house. You know what I mean? And like, it, and so it, so what I'm saying is, is like she had four kids, beautiful family, right? Like she had her own business, like all these things and nobody knew that story is so, I I would say that like 80% of the stories that I've heard are like that with women and moms and things. Right. I think mom's got to think if you can't hang out with your friends without alcohol, that's a problem. Yeah, for right. sure. Absolutely. For sure. And yeah. I know people want the park or, you know, right. like it's, and it's the thing. The other thing is you made me think of this is I, for the longest time, didn't think I had a problem be, because drinking is so normalized and mm-hmm. not even just drinking, binge drinking's normalized. Like yeah. it's weird. Like I would go to networking meetings and like people, I wouldn't be the only one staying at the bar. Like there were still very few, but right. there were people with me having four to five drinks, taking shots and driving home. I am not saying that's okay. Right. Like I am taking responsibility for my actions, but I was not the only one doing that. You know, even if it would just be two or three people, like it still happened a lot, you know? And so I remember thinking, well, I'm, I mean, I'm fine. You know, look, they're doing it. You don't have a problem. Or another big one was like, well, I don't drink when I get out of bed. Like I don't drink or my other was like, I don't drink every day, you know, all of that stuff. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a problem. Right. I think uh, binge drinking becomes normalized when you're like a teenager or like in college because everybody did it, right? Like when you're in college, everybody did it. I remember when I got my DWI when I was in college and I I met with the therapist and she's asking me all these questions because she had to like identify whether I was an alcoholic. And she goes, I think your problem is just like you, you have a problem with social pressure. Right. She's like, when you're socially around people, like you feel like you have to conform to fit in and then you drink with them. Um, She's, you know, and I found that, I found that I need to uh, surround myself with people who don't think that's normal behavior. Right. right? 
because like I do, and, and I know it's like a, a, you know, an attachment issue. And actually the episode that's airing before this, we talk about attachment theory and how people oh, act. And yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such We're a great episode. Diving into that. Yeah. Yes. And, and knowing about attachment theories now, I was like, oh, that's my problem. Sure. It's because I wanted love and acceptance so much that I was willing to do anything. And so I realized I have to have friends who that binge drinking and drinking all the time isn't the thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I found that, like, I have friends here, and I only have, like, two friends here, but <laughs> I have, like, friends here that we can hang out over and over and over again and not, nest- you know, not drink. Like, you know, we might drink here, we might drink there, but I think that's the problem is, like, people think that it's acceptable and it's very socially acceptable to drink and always drink every time you get together, but that should be a warning sign, you know, like I do. And I'm never like, I hope I don't come across and I work really hard on this on my Instagram. It's like not to judge and then not to diagnose people. I would never do that. But I am passionate about like sharing that. No, like at a dinner party, it's not normal to drink a bottle of wine by yourself or two bottles. Right. Like, and then drive home. Like that's not cool. Right. Like, so, you know, I, it's, I'm not trying to be like, I kind of sound like a party pooper, but it's like, I just, I just like, here's the thing. Like we know in society, we're like, okay, cocaine is bad. We pretty much agree on that. Right. Right. (laughs) No one's going to be like, well, you can do a bubble cut. Well, some people, but but (laughs) for the most part. right? Right. And so I just, the idea of normalizing binge drinking is kind of what I want to talk about. Not at all drinking. Like I'm not anti-drinking. I'm not anti-beer. I'm not anti-bars, like any of those things. Right. Because there are people that drink normally. Like I know that, right? Right. Um, I see it. I have friends like that, you know, but the binge drinking is something that I want to share about. Not to judge people, but but to help people because I stayed sick because of that, you know? Yeah, it's a, you know, I, going back to my dad, like, I went to visit them, and, you know, drinking a bottle, two bottles, a wine a night, I remember having shots of tequila with him, mm-hmm. I got up and threw up, came back, and he was like, yeah, poop, puke, and rally, and I'm like, now looking back, I'm like, that's not normal, <laughs> who does that, and like, your body's literally, my body was literally rejecting the alcohol, and my dad was just like, woo, yeah, let's have more shots. And I'm just yeah, like, kind of like, maybe we should stop, get some water, get some coffee. Right. You yeah. know, and I think, you know, looking back, I can see how unhealthy the, the drinking around me was. Sure. You know, and, and, you know, and I see your posts on Instagram and, you know, I like them and I read them and I'm just like, yeah, that. The, I've seen all of this. I've seen all of this going on around me. Um, and I've had to be very mindful of like not allowing that to infiltrate my life yeah. because I do have that problem with wanting to be accepted. Yeah. I, I have that problem with like, yeah, I want, I want to be friends with you. Oh, it, it requires us to drink, you know, like two bottles of wine. Okay. 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 Like, <laughs> and I'd like to point that out too. I like talking about this, like I identify as an alcoholic. Like you don't, not you, but yeah. like, <laughs> um, like if alcohol is not serving you, then it's not serving you. Like you don't right. have all the disease to struggle or abuse alcohol. You right. know what I mean? Like that's like, I think people think that cause that was another thing like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't do X. I'm like, 
but you can still have consequences from drinking without having a disease, if that makes right. sense. No, it yeah. makes total sense. And you know, if you're waking up, you know, you decide to like, oh, Saturday night, I'm going to have, you know, some drinks and you wake up the next day and you're hungover, but that happens all the fucking time. Right. Right. Like maybe that's a sign that there you're, it's too much. Exactly. Like, exactly. you know, if all you can do, like I mentioned is hanging out with your friends and you have to drink every time you hang yeah. out, right. maybe there's a problem. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you have a problem. Exactly. It is a problem. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great distinction. That was, that's what I was trying to say. Right. Well. And yeah. we got to be mindful of who we're around because, you know, like I said, looking back, I can see like the problematic people in my life um, where I was just like, that's, that's not right to, to like, be like, oh yeah, shots. Let's do shots. Yeah. Let's do right. shots. Why do you have to do a shot? Yeah, totally. Totally. And that's a huge part of sobriety for me. Like, you know, everyone's different for me. Well, one COVID, but two, I don't go around alcohol. Like I just don't like, I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, because I want to be safe. I'm not trying to be like too dramatic, but that's just my protocol right now. And I've only been, I've kept the friends around me who are like, who cares? Like, sure. Let's get brunch. Let's get coffee. Like, yeah don't need alcohol. You know what I mean? And that those are the people I want to surround myself with for sure. You know, not the people that are like, well, I'm still drinking. Cause then I'm like, to me, that's not a healthy friendship. I'm like, no. like not, you know what I mean? You're not, res- I'm not telling you, you can't drink. I'm just saying during this period of my life, like I don't want to be around it. And ha- I just don't see why it's a big deal to just go get brunch <laughs> that doesn't involve mimosas, but you know, right. There are many different ways to there's so many things you could do that don't involve alcohol. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. You know, I remember I had this friend a long time ago when I was in Virginia and our kids were really little and we go to the beach and then she's getting in her cooler and pulling out some drinks. And I'm just like, now looking back, I'm like, that's not healthy. <laughs> our kids were little. Like, why yeah. did we have to be drinking at like one o'clock in the afternoon at the beach? Right. Totally. You know, and that's, it's that kind of thing where people feel the need that, and my husband said this to me, um, because he noticed that I had problematic friends and he was just like, these people you're surrounding yourself with feel like they have to drink every time y'all get together. Right. And he was like, this is not healthy. Right. For sure. You know? And he's like, and it's not healthy for your mental stability. <laughs> no, it's not. And that was like one of the big benefits of not drinking is my mental health from completely improved because I always laugh I'm like my medicine actually had the chance to work because I wasn't dousing myself with a you know gasoline literally like you know like you know and because I would keep going to the psychiatrist and up my medicine up my medicine Mm -hmm. all the while I'm binge drinking right and I wonder why I have anxiety and depression anyway and so yeah but yeah, I mean, that was a huge thing. It improved. And I think, you know, I shared this too. Like, I want to be a mom. Like, I made that decision recently. Yeah. Congratulations. No, I, I was, you know, <laughs> going back and forth. I think you knew that. You yeah, know? I knew that. We're not like trying or anything, but we were just there. Like, that's kind of like the track that we're on. And right. I'm like, I don't want to be a drunk mom. Right. And I, I would be. And like, I listen to these women in AA, do not judge. I relate. And I don't even have kids who are like, I drove my kids drunk. I would <gasps> fall asleep. Like, 
you know, and not put my one-year-old to bed, I'd be just passed out drunk. You know, I'm not judging them. I'm like, holy shit, that would be scary. It's very scary. And I, that would be me, you know, because I've driven myself drunk many times when I was at my worst, I was driving friends drunk. You know, I only did that once, but it doesn't matter once it's too much. And, you know, I was like, I, would like I would do that if I was drinking at home and wanted more alcohol I could so see myself throwing the kid in the car and driving to get alcohol you know so I was like my kids deserve the best parent because like you know we talked about this I had trauma in my background didn't have the best childhood you know and I'm like I don't want to do that like I'm giving my kids the best version of myself right and alcoholism or not like when I drink, I am not a good version of myself. And I right. think reference, was it your dad or your grandpa was a great person when he wasn't drinking? My grandpa. Yeah. I mean, my dad was too. Cause yeah. my dad was sober for 20 years. I remember my childhood. He was a wonderful father. Yeah. He, I actually don't have any bad memories of him until my parents divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, he didn't start drinking then, but I'm pretty sure he started doing drugs again. Sure. Um, but, and I, and I, and I am, almost 100% positive he's bipolar mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like their divorce kind of like gave him a mental break. Sure. And then he just became this person that I really did not like. 100%. And, and that's what I, oh, go ahead. And it, yeah. And it's just, you know, that I don't, I didn't ever want it to be that parent. And you know what? I got to admit like early on in my marriage, like I had so much trauma, so much unresolved trauma. And I wasn't in therapy and I wasn't in this. And I remember it was 2013. My husband and I had been married three years mm-hmm. and I had my suicide attempt. And he was like, Megan, you have to get help. Yeah. Right. He's like, if you want to kill yourself, like a year from now, I won't stand in your way, but you need to get help. Now. He would have stood in my way. I know he was lying. Right. But, <laughs> but I got therapy. And then I found like all of these really unhealthy things I was doing the more I healed, the less that was. And I would not be able to be the mom I am today to my kids if I hadn't done that for myself. And now my teenager, she had to see some shit. Like I, you know, if she, when she becomes an adult, if she's like, mom, I, you really, you know, messed me up with some of the stuff you did. I take full responsibility for that because, you know, before going into therapy, I was not the best mom in the world. And I had, you know, I had very unhealthy behaviors. Now I can honestly say I never like abused my child, but she shouldn't have had to witness like the mental breaks I had and all of these things that I didn't realize were unhealthy. Um, So you taking care of yourself the way you are, I can honestly say that is very important because you want your kids, yeah, and you're going to be honest and you'll be like, I have a mental illness and and age appropriate, you but- you don't want your kids to see you like that. Exactly. Exactly. And I've talked to friends about this because I have friends that have mental health issues too, and they have kids and they talk about them. Whereas like they'll have a depressive episode, but that's something they can't help. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I can help them seeing me drunk, right? Like that's right. something that I can control, you know? And so I... Yeah. And, and I was not a good wife for a long time, you know, and I brought up your dad and, or your grandpa because I, alcohol stole everything from me, like my personality, my drive, like my husband was like, I don't recognize you. Right. And so 
when I quit and now that I've been sober, he's like, you're the girl that I fell in love with. Like you're fun. Aww. You're funny. I know. So you know? And, yeah. Cause when you're, when you're in out in active, when I was in active addiction, I was either drunk or hungover. So you mm-hmm. don't, you're never like you, you're just constantly in a state of chaos. You're either waking up. Where's my keys? Who did I call? You know, like all these things. So you don't have time to like now, you know, I have time to cook and I'm there. Like I really, when at, at the height of my addiction, I was gone three or four nights a week till 2 a.m. Right. And my husband got sick of it. You know, he would, he used to pick me up, but then he was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't blame him. You know, right. he's like, get an Uber. Like, I can't live like this, you know? So it's, yeah. I mean, I, it was for me, of course you had to get sober for yourself. Like, of course, right. my number one, but another thing that keeps me sober is my marriage, like, and my future kids someday, if, you know, if I can have them or whatever that looks like. So, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, you know, back to the mental health um, conversation with kids, my kids know, I tell them when I'm depressed, Sure. they don't understand what bipolar disorder is, my little ones, because they're nine, like, but in an age appropriate manner, I have explained it. I was like, you know, mom's depressed today. I feel really down and I don't have a lot of motivation to do things. Can we just watch TV and cuddle? Like, because I, I really don't have it in me to do these things. Sure. Um, Hypomania is kind of something I don't have to describe to them <laughs> because I just have all this energy. <laughs> you know? And to them, they don't really see an issue. Like they don't see a problem with that because like I'm able to do all these things. Just- <laughs> yeah, I've explained to them like I, I have bipolar disorder. Sometimes mommy has these really low lows you know, where I feel really down and I don't have a lot of motivation and I just want to sleep all day. And then sometimes mommy has these really high highs and mommy has so much energy and mommy is just like so excited. But sometimes I do really unhealthy things when I'm hypomanic. And I was like, but I'm on medication. And so that helps me be a much better mommy and it helps me be a much better wife in, in all those things. But like, if I was back to when I was like 20, and going to the bar all the time and hanging out with people who are very unhealthy for me, I would never be able to be the mom I right. am today. Right. Same. You know, if I continued to hang out with those unhealthy people that my husband who has a radar that is on point about people, like he, he if he tells me he doesn't like somebody, I'm like, shit, I can't be friends with them. <laughs> like right. 90% of the time. Yeah. I would say 99%. Yeah. He has yet to be wrong about somebody. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I continued to hang out with those friends that he told me were unhealthy for me, no, I would not be able to be the mom I am. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know? And that's why I love hearing about this. And I think, you know, like I said, I'm not a mom yet, but I want to be. And I think right. the conversation that we're having right now is so important for the mamas out there. And I feel like you probably have a lot of moms that listen or want to be your whatever, you know, right. it's you know, learning how to, and I'll cross that bridge when it comes sharing about my mental health and alcohol and all of that. But I think it's, it's a good conversation to have because I think a lot of moms struggle with mental health or alcoholism and they just, we don't talk about it, you know? And I think it's interesting. Like I love my grandma, but we, you know, she, she raised me and we were amazing woman. I mean, uh, just, you know, attribute all my great things to her. But one thing we were talking about recently was, I don't know how it came up, but she was like, you know, I never wanted a break from you. Like I always wanted to be around you. And I was like, Oh my God, I can tell you right now I have kids and I will be out the door on my girl trips, getting my nails done. Like 
and no mommy guilt. Like, I don't no. know. I, I'm not a mom, but I'm like no. working on myself where I'm already like, yeah, hell no. Like I'm taking care of me. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, obviously there's balance. Like if I'm like deserting my kid all day to go shopping, right. or like we don't have money for groceries because I bought shoes. Like I get it. But you yeah. know, but I'm just saying like, you know, and I heard that and I think there's just, I bring it up because I think there's this internalized like guilt that moms have. Right. And like shame for like taking care of ourselves, you know, or I'm not a mom, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just. And I kind of want to break that down, like even before being a mom, because you can, I'm sure you can speak to that, but. Oh yeah. I need a break from my kids. Yeah. Like, especially during a pandemic where my, like my husband has not been around and I mean, cause of his work, he has not been around and I've been with my kids day in and day out because it's really, you really don't go and hang out with people. Like oh, I'm not here. going to restaurants. I'm not yeah. doing that. And I can tell you, I need a, I need a break from my kids. And I think that's why a lot of moms. It's so acceptable to get drunk all the time because that's their little break. I was from- going to bring it around full circle. You were <laughs> and I was like, this whole bullshit thing of like, and I don't mind coming out and seeing this wine is self-care. That is bullshit. Like, oh my God, no, <laughs> no, like, no, it's, it's not. And there's, I feel like too, we, I need to put this out there too. Like there are very few people that can just have one glass and like walk away. Like it is very, if you're in a group of women, just say, Oh right, my gosh, no, it's going to be a the lot. Wine is flowing. It doesn't make you a bad person, but it's literally a drug. It's addictive. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have a problem. Right. So yeah, like wine is not so care. It's proven even if you don't have a mental illness to give you anxiety and depression, like you right. don't have to have any condition, you know? So like the whole normalization and like when the time comes, maybe I will hang out with mamas that drink. I'm not against that. Like, I don't want right. to sound like that, but the whole, it's like me talking about the binge drinking thing, the whole normalization of like, well, I deserve this glass of wine because I did this. Right. I'm not here to say, that's wrong, but I'm more here to say, like, why do you need that? Like, is there an alternative? Like, is it, can you take right. a bubble? Can you light a candle? Whatever that looks like for you. But like, what, why are you drinking? Like, why do you feel like you deserve a drink type thing? Right. And I think back to the mamas who drink, there's a difference between a mom having a nice glass of wine because, you know, like she wants to relax and she's having fun with her friends. Or the moms that feel like they have to drink. Right. Like there's like definitely a a fine line there. And if you are becoming friends with moms that feel like, like I talked about, like the mom I was friends with that brought the cooler to the beach. Yeah. Like if, if, and and I know, and I'm not friends with her anymore. Well, I'm not friends with her on Facebook anymore because she's one of those people I deleted this year for being racist. (laughs) (laughs) I deleted a lot of people because of that. Yeah. Um, But every time we got together, like didn't matter the setting we were drinking. Right. Every time, like, and, and she's moved far away for many years, but every picture of her like doing something, right. she's drinking, she's got a glass of wine, there's something going on. Um, so if it's like, if you feel it's necessary to always be drinking, like no matter the setting, or even every time you get together with your friends, maybe... Exactly. There's an issue. That, exactly. And I think that's like my platform's evolving, but I think that's part of it is just like trying to get us to reevaluate our relationship with alcohol in general. Right. Especially if you were taught unhealthy habits growing exactly. up. Exactly. Right? Which so many of us have. It's a very, I'm 
I think my household's rare. I grew, I never saw alcohol. I've actually never seen my family drink once like grandma, mom, dad. Yeah. We just didn't have it, you know? And so I think that's rare, (laughs) you know? And I think from a young age, we're taught, you know, normalizing drinking, normalizing college Mm -hmm. drinking, you know, all of that stuff. And so you don't see people getting sober. It's pretty common to get sober in your thirties and your forties because your twenties, I spent my twenties blacked out, but like Mm-hmm. It was normal, just like you said, like right. everyone around me was doing it. So I don't have a problem. You know, it wasn't, right. I'm 32 and I'm shutting down the bar and I'm like, wait a minute, like this isn't normal. <laughs> if you look at those people you went, went out with in college, yeah, most of them d- never ended up with like an alcohol problem. Exactly. Like, That's what I'm saying. After college, exactly. they just stopped like drinking exactly. like that. Exactly. They, <laughs> they had the kids, you know what right. I mean? Right the normal stuff, you know? And yeah, exactly. Whereas like, that was not my story, you know? And so I started seeing like, okay, this is where it's a problem. But like I said, binge drinking and the normalization of six drinks and shots. Well, I grew up in a household where alcohol was always prevalent Mm -hmm. because even though my dad didn't drink when I was little, my mom did. And she drank Mm -hmm. all the time. And my sister and I were talking about this, how unhealthy it was Cause we would go to her friend's house, her and her friend would drink all day. And then our mom would drive home with us. And I'm like, she had to have been drunk driving yeah. home with us. Sure. Like we look back at that. And then I look back at like, my mom bought me a six pack of my cards lemonade when I was 16 for my birthday. And then my dad, when I was 14, uh, encouraged me to do a shot of tequila at a party and like cheered me on. Like I look back and I was like, no wonder when I was in my early 20s, I didn't see anything wrong <laughs> with what was going on around me. Because now looking back, I'm like, I was taught very unhealthy habits when it came to alcohol. Yep. I was not shown that like, yeah, you can have just a drink or two and that's fine or have none at all because there was always alcohol around. Yeah. There I was- love that too. I love what you said. Like, that's a good point or have none, like not even just because you're like me and you're in recovery, but like maybe we drink seltzer water because who cares? You know, like the amount of times I've gone to like barbecues and stuff and I'm like, no, I'm not drinking because I'm driving home with my kids. Right. You know, or no, like we're in the middle of like a hundred dollar or a hundred dollar, a hundred degree weather. (laughs) I know that's Uh, good for me. (laughs) Like dehydration, don't even want to, those hangovers are the worst, but yeah. I just want to drink water because I'm yeah. losing it in sweat. Right, right, <laughs> for sure. So like, yeah, so, and you were not, and maybe the, the, because you weren't brought up in a household where alcohol was prevalent, that's why you were able to progress so slowly? I think so. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's very interesting. I share this part of my story too. I went to a small, I was raised, you know, this Christian, like pretty strict Christian. And I went to a small Christian college and strangely enough, like we really didn't drink. Um, I had friends that went to big universities that drank, oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I was exposed to it, but yeah, I mean, I look back and I'm like, if I had been drinking in college, I don't, I don't want to know, you know, it's not worth it to go back, but yeah, I think so. I, I think my, it, it progressed slower because I was exposed to it later. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, I think a lot of people need to look, the reason I brought it up is a lot of people need to look at like, what were we taught as kids about yeah. alcohol? Like I was taught that alcohol, everybody drank at every occasion. Mm-hmm. 
like every occasion. Us. That's that right? normalization. That's yeah. My mom would sit in our backyard tanning under the sun with our dogs by her side and drink all day long <laughs> by herself. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's not healthy. I'm with you. I agree. And, or I was trying to think of the example where they're like, well, I'd rather them drink at home because it's safer. No, just no. She would drink at her friend's house and drive with us. So she didn't yeah. even stay home. Yeah. They didn't go to the bar often because babysitters were expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she had three kids and then, and then my mom had my sister and I, and sometimes they'd have other friends over who had a couple kids. So it was very expensive to have a babysitter to go out drinking. They did on occasion, but they basically stayed home and drank all day long. And my sister and I were talking about this over Thanksgiving and I was like, that's not healthy. And she's like, no, no, it's not healthy. She's like, no wonder you and I, like in our early twenties, had no idea what like to do with alcohol. <laughs> it wasn't like, modeled to you. No. And yeah. you know, in my thirties now, alcohol isn't always in my house. Right. Like, but in my twenties, I thought that alcohol had to be everywhere. Right. For every occasion, every occasion, every barbecue, every birthday party, every mm -hmm. holiday, like Same. I don't remember it not being around. Right. And I think, you know, we live in the Navy culture too. So that for me is not very acceptable. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why I like sharing too, because it's very rare to be like a spouse that doesn't drink, you know? And so yeah. it's because it's just normalized too. And like, I remember we'd go to like baby showers or they'd call them some weird name. Can you think? I don't remember what it's Ugh. called. You know, they had- I will tell you at my baby, well, at my, no, at all three baby showers, there was no alcohol involved. But I know what you're talking about where there's oh, like- diaper parties. I'm going to call yeah. them diaper where there's like champagne or mimosas yeah. and stuff. Yeah, or I had one where there was a keg and I was I like, what? Yeah. And I just, I remember thinking like, what? Like, and I'm an alcoholic, you know, but right. I just, it was just like, it's just, it, I just remember thinking we can't even have one event dedicated to children with children running around. Like m my other thing about this is too, like, what does it say to your child to be like, just to be with you, I need to be medicated. Like I can't be in the same space as you, you know, and I don't want to sound judgy. I don't, no. I, but I just think of the message that we're sending children, right? right. Like if mommy drinking culture or it's mostly, I mean, men get off the hook not because they drink too but that's a whole other conversation but right. it's just like what what does it say like I remember I was handing out candy this year and I now that I'm sober you just see stuff that you normally wouldn't but you know the parents are walking around with alcohol like to get yeah. you know to, to have their kids pick up you know crates and treats and I'm like that's normalized though walking on the street with I mean it's almost an open container you know you know what's in the solo cup we're not stupid right you know what I mean and so it's just it's just like, yeah, it's like, what message are we sending our children? No, I agree. My mom drank at every birthday party I had. Yeah. Uh, she drank at my twins' first birthday party, and she was the only person there drinking. Oh, wow. Only person there drinking and got drunk. And I, I, that was the first time I cut her off was because I confronted her about it and her behavior and how inappropriate it was, especially because she was having my oldest daughter fetch her beer for her. Yeah. And so we had that conversation. I, 
I've never drank at my kids' birthday parties. Why? Right. It's a kid's birthday. Why Why do I need to drink yeah. at my kid's birthday party? Exactly. Right. Like you I know, can't present, you know. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not judging somebody who's just like, oh, you know, I have had a glass of wine at my kid's birthday party and that's great. But of course. the normalization of like, oh, we're having a kid's birthday party. We're also going to have a bar. Exactly. Or like the kids party's over, we're going to get trashed after. Right. You know what I mean? Like stuff like, and I've seen that, you know. And, and so with your kids running around. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because we're like, it's socially acceptable. Like we won't do it while they're eating cake and opening presents, but then we'll usher them to watch TV or do whatever while mommy and daddy like do art, you know. And so. Yeah. And I'm not saying parents can't drink around their kids. No, it's same here. Yeah. It's difference between, is it one, is it appropriate for the setting? Right. To be drinking. And two, are you having a glass of wine? Or are you getting drunk? Yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not innocent in this conversation. I will fully admit, especially early on before therapy, I would get drunk around my kids. Sure. Like, but now yeah. looking back, I'm like, that was very inappropriate. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, like right. my kids now <clears throat> have not seen that. Right. like level because I want them to know. And when we explain to them, if we have alcoholic beverages in the house, like this is an alcoholic beverage, right. it's not for children. Um, and you got to be very careful with it. And, right. um, you know, I want my kids to grow up to know like healthy ways. Right. And the, and the amazing thing is my husband, he's the one that has taught me how, what's unhealthy and healthy when it comes to alcohol. Wow. Because he, I mean, it, early on in his Navy career, obviously he partied and, you know, yeah. he hung out with people, but he's the kind of person that he won't drink forever. And if he does drink, he might just have like a beer or two, Gosh. you know? Okay. Yeah. He's, I, I, I wish. <laughs> yeah. He's like a little, he's like, and he was the one that pointed out to me, like, this is unhealthy behavior or this is healthy behavior. Yeah. Right. You know? And, and he's the one that like helped point, point it out to me, like you weren't brought up in a household where like you were taught healthy behaviors. Right. Like enjoying it, like a good, like something that's tastes good. And like, just like a good food, right? Like where right. you're enjoying it. It's like, no, we're going to do it to get drunk because right. that's what we do. You know what I yeah. mean? Of, and I think what I, a theme I hear you saying is like respecting it you know, right. respecting the alcohol because yes, it is a mind altering drug. Like that, yes. that is not dramatic. It is, you yeah. know, and it's not meant to be scary, but it's meant to be respected. At least that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. It's a legal drug. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It's a legal drug. That's why it's I always still say. a drug. Yep. And we're so judgmental of people that drink Whereas like, you know, out, drugs were, or we're, we're, we're normalized and it's okay. Whereas we're, I meant we're ju judgmental of like meth or coke or da da da. I'm like, eh, they're all mind altering. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I feel like this has been a, a really good conversation for people to like differentiate between this is, if you want to drink, this is healthy. Well, not healthy because yeah. it is a drug, but this is this is the warning signs. This is where the line is, right? 100%. And I think the line gets blurred, oh, especially 100%. in social situations. Well, and I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but there's something called gray area drinking. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a newer term. And it's just the idea of what you said, where like, maybe you're not an alcoholic where, but you are downing a bottle of wine every other night, you know, or, and I actually, until, until my active addiction, you know, in the last year, I identified that way. I was like, yeah, I think I have a problem, but it's not full blown alcoholism, you know, right? you know, and so I would encourage if you're listening you know, and you think, well, cause is kind of resonating with me. It's not to be scary or like shame yourself, but like I would Google it. Gray area drinking is good. Or another one's called sober curious where you're just kind of like, you know, open to maybe I want to stop. Maybe I want to not drink as much. Like what does that look like? You know, and those right. are two great things to start with. That's where I started. And then I was like, oh, I'm worse than both of these. <laughs> alcohol you know but but yeah they're um I think gray area drinking is good because it helps people that that don't identify as an alcoholic to also reevaluate that's why I always try to tell people like you don't have to be an alcoholic to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol right and and also like if somebody has a therapist that'd be a great way to start because it was a therapist now she wasn't she didn't become my therapist she said if you want to have more therapy you can but at the time I didn't think therapy was something that I needed, even though I really did. Um, that was, you know, after I had my DWI, that was like, I wouldn't classify you as an alcoholic, but you have unhealthy social drinking habits. And she's like, and I think there's more to it. She goes, I don't think it's like, she goes, I think there's more to it. And if you want to work with me, you can, and we can dig into that. Sure. And it hasn't been until I've been in therapy for many years to realize oh, there really is more to it. There is a reason like I would buckle under peer pressure because I had this very deep need to be loved and accepted. Yeah. And and so when people were like, do you want to drink? I felt like I had to drink to be accepted. Sure. And so now being able to say, no, thank you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, if somebody feels like, they've listening and they're, they're, they feel like maybe their drinking isn't normal, quote unquote normal, that maybe there's something more to it. Like maybe there's like a mental side of it that sure. needs to be explored. Like sure. why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and this? some people go through phases where they'll drink heavier than others. Right. And that again, doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. It just means maybe you, I, th- I remember you did a podcast episode, like maybe two years ago, a year, you can tell me where you were like, I quit drinking. Cause I know it wasn't good for me. Yeah. And, I was in a very bad mental place. Right. And I think that's such a good, maybe, you know, people listening to that would be good because, you know, I think it's like, maybe you, you could even look at it and say, okay, like, this I'm stressed out right now and quitting drinking is where I need to be. Maybe I can start again, but like during this period, maybe I shouldn't drink. Yeah. You know? And like, that's just something to think about. Especially if you have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Exactly. I wasn't taught. I wasn't like we, we discussed, I had yeah. an unhealthy relationship because I didn't know what a healthy relationship with alcohol looked like. Sure. So I, when, when I was in a really bad mental state before my mental health diagnosis, oh yeah, if I was in a bad mental state, that's how I coped, kind of like binge eating. Like yep. that was my crutch. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, at one point in time, I had to stop for a, a, a while because I was just in a bad mental state. Sure, for sure. So 
And I think people need to be aware of that. Like, do you have unhealthy coping mechanisms? Right. Just be self-aware. I think there's like a theme that's coming out of just like, be self-aware. Be (laughs) self-aware. Not easy. Although, and I will say sometimes when you're self-aware, you're like, shit. Like, I don't know if I like this. Cause now my coping mechanism is like, I'll eat like a whole box of mac and cheese, you know, when I'm not feeling great or buy another sweater that I don't need from Target, you know, (laughs) you know, and I'm kind to myself being like, well, I mean, it's not horrible, you know, like it could be worse, but you know, but I'm also aware of it when I'm doing it, if that makes sense, you know, and I give myself grace and I'm like, okay, well I ate like shit today, but I can start tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like it's okay. Or like eating a half box versus the whole box, you know, and just, yeah. I think it's just learning to balance. I, I was just telling someone this the other day, my word for 2021 is balance. I just want balance in my life across the board, you know, right. and, and it's t- for me to get there, it takes being self-aware. Right. And we, and I think another, another thing that we talked about is you may not have a drinking problem, but you might have problem drinking. Yes. Like, boom. <laughs> problem is drinking. You may not have a drinkable problem, but you might have problem drinking habits. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. And that's very possible. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people could identify with that. You know, it's like, like I said, you don't have to be an alcoholic. That's part of my message to, or have a disease to struggle with drinking. Like, that's not right. You know, it's, and it doesn't mean you, it's not, it, it could be worth reevaluating. Yeah. Just questioning. And, and yeah. And wondering like, is it like something like mine where you had to come to the realization that your social environment was not conducive yeah. to healthy drinking? Habits? Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, so we've gone on yes. a lot longer than I wanted to, but it's such a great conversation. I know we could go for hours. We could. I feel like I never. Part of it's just us catching up. I, basically. So this was good. I hope this was a good episode. Yeah. And I want to encourage everybody to follow you on Instagram because you do share a lot about your journey. Um, you know, read your blog. Thank listen you. to the things that you, you share, even if they don't feel like they have a drinking problem, maybe there's something that they can relate Sure, to, you sure. know, cause you also do share about mental health. I do. Yeah, I do both. And a lot of times, just like people don't realize they have problems with drinking, they may not realize they have a mental health problem either. Yeah, absolutely. That's another reason I share too. It's both. It goes hand in hand for sure. Yeah. Cause and I this- know. Mine came for, mine was, I got diagnosed with mental health. Then I realized alcoholism, but like it's chicken before the egg. Some it's different for everybody. Not that right. everyone, I have what's called co-occurring disease disorder, but um, yeah, I mean, it could, uh, yeah, I post about both very regularly because I'm like you, I bipolar and then anxiety. Well, um, and with this pandemic, I think we've seen both like stem up. So people who never had mental health problems are now experiencing them oh and God. people who never had problems drinking, like, yeah, you know, um, are are feeling it right now because it's become widely acceptable to like deal with COVID by sitting at home and drinking and getting drunk on Zoom with your friends mm-hmm. instead of us seeing like or working from home, right? And so right. you're just inching the time up that you could drink. Like, okay, it's three, right? Like, I can drink. No one's yeah. here. You know, I would think. I don't know. I'm not trying. To oh judge no, you. I've definitely heard it. <laughs> yeah, I would think because like isolation, like they say in AA that the opposite of addiction or alcoholism is community. Yeah. So like, that's why AA works so well is because we're in a community of people that can 
help us like not get out of our heads, you know, whereas like when you're drinking, it can be a very isolating problem. Yeah. Well, and they said alcohol sales when everything's went to lockdown went up like 50%. Really? Yes. I'm not well, surprised. The bars were shut down. So part of that is, you know, people who went drinking all the time at the bars were now buying. Sure. But then it was normalized for people to drink. I kept seeing ads on my newsfeed of like, oh, mm-hmm. here is this like new thing that if you take it, you won't be hung over the next yeah. day. And I'm like, if I'm drinking that much that I have to take a pill not yeah. to be hung over the next day, oh that's a fucking problem. Or like I saw real quick, I was just like, I downloaded TikTok because- I'm bored and I don't TikTok, but I like right. to watch them. I creep. And the amount of TikTokers that were like, oh, I start drinking at five, you know, 7 a.m., you know, instead of my coffee. I mean, it was just, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Ooh. I'm making jokes about it. Or like, right. like I even saw mom like have a coffee mug and she's like, okay, kids, let's go. And she like gets in the car, you know, and they say it's a joke, but that's not a joke. It's not, you funny. know, I don't mean to get too excited, but it's just yeah. like, anyway. No, I know. If you feel the need to add alcohol into your, and I'm not talking about the occasional Baileys where you're like, yeah, I'm going to add some Baileys to my coffee. I'm talking about if you feel the need to add alcohol to your morning beverage, that is, again, we talked about like, is it a need or is it a want? Do you feel an urge? Or if you're just like, oh, I'm going to have a glass of wine, you know, difference, nuances. So as we wrap up the podcast today, what is something you'd like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? Oh, I love that. Um, you know, something I've been working on with myself and just in recovery and in general is like, it's like two things, but they're similar. It's like, be kind, be mm-hmm. kind to yourself. Um, you know, I think I've been not as productive as I want to be and like not working out as much as I want. And, you know, yeah. but I'm being kind to myself is just huge right now because you can't underestimate, like, even if you have it good, like Mm -hmm. I technically have a lot of privilege and I'm just the white privilege, but like, you know, my husband's job, like I have a beautiful house, you know, all that stuff, but life is still hard. It's just still hard for all of us. So be kind to yourself. And then the other one would be, be kind to others. Like, I know it's hard I know it is so hard. I know. I know. And like, especially like when we're out, because my big one is like anti-maskers or people who aren't wearing masks. I just want to go the hell off, you know? But so those would be my two. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Yeah. I've had to delete a lot of people off of social media because I was too tempted to tell them how fucking stupid they are. I get it. Like, I'm baffled that people can be the way they are. And I know I'm I'm a psychology major. I'm almost done my bachelor's. I psychologically know why they are the way they are. But like, personally, morally, I can't understand why they are the way they are. Do you know what I mean? I do. I'm like the blatant disregard for other people, period. Health, safety, a whole person, whole human. Like, I just, I can't wrap my mind around it. And I like you have a lot of privilege, right? Like I understand. I, besides, I think the only thing that would put me one level like below what I am is if, or above what I am is like, if I was a man. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise I have everything. We're straight, we're white, we're right. 
I tell people I'm heterosexual presenting because I don't know if I'm straight or not because um, <laughs> I right. never got to explore that. Right. But, like, I'm heterosexual presenting. I'm white. I'm cisgendered. I'm college educated. Like, oh, and Christian, I'm not Christian. So that's another one. Like if I was Christian, that would be sure. another level of privilege because like we live in the United States where that's the predominant religion. And like, you know, all these nuances, I have some very big privileges and I recognize that, but we're all in survival mode right now. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Exactly. And like, I think we do this thing. I, I forget what Brene calls it, but it's like trauma. Like, I don't know. Just don't compare traumas because like- yes. hard is hard. Yeah. Like I've just talked to a, uh, you know, a girlfriend who was like, well, but you know, she, we were talking. I was like, that shit is hard. You know, yes. it's like, no, but this person, I'm like, no, like stop. Like if you, no. it is hurting you, don't reduce your, tra- like, don't compare trauma. You just can't. You just can't. I say that to my sister all the time because she's like, I really shouldn't be complaining to you because, you know, your husband's job takes him away a lot. And, you know, you have more, you have like all your kids and you're not getting a break and you don't live near family and you don't la la la. And I'm like, hard is hard, man. Like, just because your life doesn't look exactly like mine does not mean what you're going through isn't hard. Absolutely. hundred percent. 100%. My favorite quote is like by Robin Williams and it's like just be kind to everyone because everyone's fighting a battle that you're just not aware of. Yes. Well, Christina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. This is so much fun as always. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.